0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. Uh, you may not know me because I haven't been on for a while. I was suffering a cold last week and it feels like forever since I've been on here, but I'm back to ruin. Matt and Craig's good vibes that they got going on. Speaking of Matt and Craig, I'm on with him right now. Maddie Lane, how are you doing, my man?
2: I'm doing fantastic. It is nice to have the full crew back. It, we just feel whole now. We were missing like, mm. like a punching bag. It was just gone. <laughs> so we just had to spar with each other and, you know, throwing haymakers back and forth can only go so long. No, it's nice to have you back, Kent. Now we don't have to play. Uh, we don't have to be the lead guy.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm ecstatic not to be the lead guy anymore. I, I hate running this thing. Like
1: you, you can. I thought have you guys it. did great personally. Nah, nah, man, you you can have it. I thought, it. You, I thought you, it felt like I was I was just I I was rendered useless the last you know this month. You guys have just went in and had no problems whatsoever. Like I don't know what I'm good for. You uh,
3: you are good
1: for setting up
3: the conversation and filling in gaps, with, and then trying to get Maddie to stop and trying to get maddie to
1: stop
2: although you have taken the lead as the longer speaker
1: i'm getting there every now and then i gotta stand on my soapbox for a few minutes and and i've i've been getting mine in but uh we uh we're gonna go ahead and start this week off with a mailbag we've got two episodes again this week we got plenty to talk about later in the week, and we will be breaking down episode two of the franchise. It's Which going Which actually
2: awesome. does come out this week, not last yeah. week, despite minor confusion.
1: So I think I think I probably need to take some ownership of that because... So, yeah. I went on the TV Guide, and I thought that it was episode two. Uh, they were just replaying episode one because Fox Sports Kansas City's lazy. I don't know. I mean, are they going to play the Royals? I... <laughs> They might have fallen asleep behind the wheel because the royals have been so abysmal that they're just like hey what does it matter fine whatever let's just episode one again sure why not maybe we just play episode one
3: matt and i never checked it like we we just took your word entirely (laughs) as gold and just went on with it and then it was what two days later
2: that we discovered that uh yeah i was looking it up to make sure to find out when it happened and lo and behold it's every other week
1: i'm gonna blame it on the disease that i had whatever that was it was just disease it was just it was it was the cold talking and frankly i'm gonna let you guys do most of the talking today too because i'm still like i've got this hint of a cold back so if i'm gonna try not to cough into the mic but we'll start with this question, and I'll answer this one, and we can move on.
2: All right, I'm gonna set my watch <laughs> for four minutes from now. This is a great.
1: <laughs> see, Matt, he's got the jokes now. Now, he's always had. Well, them. Yeah. it's the it's the length of time jokes. Like that whole bit has been passed on completely.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's working its way around the circle.
1: I can't wait for Craig's turn. Nah. Uh, anyways, horse he doesn't Spire. have that kind of
2: years left in his life to talk long.
1: Let's be real. Seriously. Or he'll—he's just, just so wise. He'll be able to, like, you know, talk about the construct of time. So we'll some on, some we've got—he's uh, got, well, got some pistons yeah. to replace in his car's routine maintenance, so he doesn't have that kind of time. Exactly. Horse Spire asks, "Why did? Why does your transition sound effect sound like a toilet flushing? What even is that supposed to be?"
2: Sorry about that, guys. I record from a bathroom sometimes, so as you loyal listeners the may know. The acoustics are
1: phenomenal. <laughs> it. it's like it's bunsen burners in a beaker it's like bubbling it's like a bump bubbling chemistry laboratory that's what it is it's not craig on the toilet although that would kind of be funny and watch pete's just gonna go ahead and put all the transitions as a flushing toilet this week speaking of I like that, those air up.
3: horns last week
1: top notch top notch good job um, Pete. guys that uh, that was podcast gold <laughs> it was but so good but what everybody good.
2: missed out on was craig doing his own air horn sounds which unfortunately is only in the lost files on craig's computer
1: we need craig to send those to us we need to splice that piece out and and then we have new ringtones and we yeah. have new ringtone notifications
2: anytime i ask for an air horn from pete i just want craig's version of it i don't want a real air horn i just want craig's version
1: craig you have the floor Please reenact said Air Horns right now. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on. Keith McLean 78 asks, do you think Thornhill is the one to start the first game or will we be subjected to Dirty Dan? Thousand points for using a pun. I think Warren Hill, Juan Thornhill, is your day one starter. It's a little disappointing that he's not playing in this mini camp, though.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think everything we've heard from coaches just coming out of the Chiefs camp, and we've talked about it numerous times now. I don't want to go too far into it, but the Lewis Riddick hype just being connected. Everything that all the Chiefs coaches have said, Thornhill looks to be the starter once the regular season actually starts, probably even by the time the preseason really gets going, assuming his calf's good to go. He's just... He's got that kind of level of play to him. Everybody talks about him as a ball hawk, a guy that's always getting his hands on the ball, even for a young guy. He's just been all the is for the lack of better words, impressive every single step of the way. So I'd be shocked if he's not the guy out there starting next to Tyron Matthew.
3: I think that they're gonna give Dan the shot. Like they're gonna I think they'll open camp with Dan running with the ones, but I think Lame, and, I, and that may be the case. They'll give Thornhill as many reps as he wants in preseason game one. I think maybe give him the bulk of the reps as the backup safety there, and then you know maybe preseason week two or week three he claims the the uh, starting safety job before the.
1: Season. I have two. I have two takes. Mm-hmm. One, Dave Talb is not running the defensive staff, so there's no preconceived notion there. Or favoritism there. Second off, Steve Spagnuolo, he doesn't have any preconceived notion about Dan Sorensen too. So maybe he'll just go play the better player. I don't know. That's just me. Colpe 2 asks, Eagles quarterback coach said that the next trend may be two guys who can throw on the field at the same time. Which player currently on the 90-man roster would be the best candidate to deliver Patrick LeVon Mahomes his first receiving touchdown, Matthew?
2: I mean, I think if you're looking at the Chiefs right now, it's got to be Travis Kelsey. It's got to be a player on the team that's going to see the field at the same time as Patrick Mahomes. And the next best thrower, maybe even better than the backup quarterbacks if you go by random preseason (laughs) videos, is Travis Kelsey when he's not, you know, trying to throw the triple coverage deep downfield, uh, which was so sad that he threw an interception with his one real pass because the ball looked good. Like the, everything about the throw looked good. It was trying to you know, throw it across
1: the field, the width of the did field too. you see too. how tight that spiral
3: was though? The
2: mis- it was okay, beautiful. The decision to throw the ball was very poor, but he looked good throwing the football. So if there was a chance of someone to throw the ball, it's obviously going to be Travis Kelsey or Nose Tackle.
3: Do, oh, man. Nah, see, Dontari, enough, Dontari's gone.
1: Craig, I'll jump in. I got to jump in real quick. Funnily enough, that was the first ball that was thrown outside the numbers that game against the Giants. So, the Kelsey pass? I mean, I don't think it actually was thrown across the... I don't even think it was actually thrown outside of the numbers. I just had to kind of throw that shade because <laughs> I did... In, I, I, that one game specifically, Alex was very conservative. It might have been the wind, but like everything was inside the numbers. He was not throwing... Fe- he was not making field throws at all. Wait, it was that's it, they, rare for Alex Smith. It was it it was like zero, Maddie. It was zero. It was le- it was it was the field was completely shrunk. I'm waiting Anyways, for the anomaly. Craig, <laughs> please, please jump in on that slander. E- easy,
3: easy, easy. Here it's John Lovett. That's who it is. It's going to be John Lovett on a Philly special type rollout. That's, that's what it's going to be. Patrick Patrick is going to catch like a six-yard touchdown pass.
2: Hard to do I that for the practice yards. squad.
1: <laughs> I'm waiting for, for John Lovett and Patrick Mahomes to both line up in shotgun with their hands up. Just just standing. Like or, or do they like scoot to the side and have it's like... It's like an angled thing. It's like they're both talking into a microphone. Gotcha. So... But, and so... Yeah, so they're both there, ready to receive the pass. It's it's going to be wonderful. I can't wait for that. Is it going to be the exact same thing as the Philly special? In no, it's going to be a different play. Okay. Uh, they're they're, gonna, I they're just gonna, we were going to they're going to throw it underneath someone's arms with a little flip, you know, kind of like how Pat, you know, uh, did it uh, in the Chargers game. SoCal eleven eighty six asks: Are there too many fiery personalities on defense between coaches and players? How will this affect? The unity in the defensive unit. It won't.
3: I, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to. I, I understand the the point that SoCal1186 is trying to come up with here. You get a bunch of fiery guys in a room, there's going to be competition, there's going to be potential anger, arguments, things like that. I don't think that this group of guys is wired that same way. I think that there's very clear alpha dogs in there in Frank Clark Teron Matthew, those guys are going to lead and break up anything or any sort of beef or anything like that that happens in that locker room. I think that the firiness is going to be kept just below the surface there and they're going to kind of manage that really well. I, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all.
2: Yeah, I'm with Craig there. I'm pretty sure I really like the kind of fiery attitude the Chiefs defense is coming out with. We talked about it a little last week. It's just it's a complete change from what the Chiefs had before with their kind of passive play. I don't think you're going to have guys getting away with blowing assignments, guys getting away with kind of doing their own thing, or just being lackadaisical, whether on the coaching staff or the players on the field. You now have guys kind of at every position. They're going to demand players to at least give it their all, demand coaches to give it their all. And I love that on the team. Yeah, you might have some heated arguments on a sideline or in a locker room, but these guys, I think they respect one another. It's hard not to respect what Tyron Matthews done in his career or what Brendan Daly's done in his career. Like when you listen to everyone talk about one another, there is a mutual respect. Even if you guys might get heated, like you want to talk about Tom Brady and Josh McDaniel, those guys argue at least once a year in a complete almost fist fight on the sideline. But when it's over, they still understand what each other are trying to do. You might get something of that level, but the guys still respect one another, and until that respect goes away, there's no reason to be worried.
1: I think Maddie's got the uh, length of time take crown. That was like right sixty two seconds. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we're gonna have to go back to the monitor on that. Uh, I don't think I don't think energy is a problem. I honestly I know they're all very fiery, they're very competitive, but I think um, it's way better than. Uh, than what we have seen in the past, and the accountability is great for this unit. Larry, Larry, Larry Cleland asked, please explain how and why the tackling and run defense will be significantly improved this year.
2: All right, so the run defense is going to be better simply by the fact that players are going to be asked to do something they understand. I think you kind of gathered it all from Anthony Hitchens' presser here recently. He was a little confused last year, and not because he didn't understand football, but he was being asked to do a lot of different stuff. He was being asked to read multiple different things in one play. Despite the notion that Bob Sutton's defense was very much an aggressive one-gap defense, parts of it were, but the linebackers last year were asked to do some really advanced stuff mentally. So this year, you're already looking at a more aggressive not less thinking, but a slightly more simplified role on a play by play basis. So you're already going to get guys playing faster. You're going to get defensive linemen playing quicker up the field. You're going to get linebackers running through gaps they already know based on what they're seeing the offense do rather than what's happening during the play. Just simplified play, more aggressive defense in nature. And I don't think this coaching staff is going to let them get run over for an entire half. No, I think not it's at that all. simple.
3: No, it, it, that's not going to happen. Uh, they're they're going to be so far up those guys' asses that it, it, it it's going to be silly. Not only to add to Matt's point there, because he's absolutely right on all the linebacker stuff. The defensive ends are going to be great against the run as well. I think the defensive line as a whole is going to be more gap disciplined, which will just help the linebackers up front. I think they're going to set good edges. I just think that this is overall a more improved scheme against the run. They're just they're just going to be better because they're going to do the little things right. Whereas in the past couple of years, Bob Sutton and Britt Reed and Gary Gibbs and Mark DeLeon, they kind of let the little things go and just kind of went, oh, those guys will pick them up eventually. And they never did. And so that's what you saw when you saw the Chiefs run defense over the past couple of years.
1: And we'll probably talk about Anthony Hitchens comments uh, a little bit more this week because they were very interesting mm. i i listened to them on my way home today wow uh if you pay enough attention there is a lot there i craig did i see you wrote an article about that i did,
3: I did. hitchens dropped such bombs in his presser today on bob sutton that i wrote an <laughs> article yeah
1: <laughs> take okay.
3: note
2: that while craig was ignoring the u.s women's soccer maddie was watching it so craig could write a football article wow complete role reversal everyone mark this day down i got nothing air faded asks
1: (laughs) (laughs) how good of a chance does gary johnson have to make the team and could he be a big time special teams contributor
3: i think that's where he's going to make the team if he does make the team it's going to be on special teams i think he's got a shot uh he's certainly fast enough They need to hook him up with a little better processing. Again, like Matt just talked about with his linebacker, you know, with these linebackers, they're simplifying things a little bit. It's going to be more of a one-gap scheme. I think that he's got a shot to be out there, but it's going to be a backup role. He's not going to really rotate in. they got enough guys at the will right now. I think he's got to compete with the Mike and that doesn't really suit him from a body type or responsibility type, so... I do think that if he makes a team, it will be solely a special teams this year.
2: Man, I'm going fifty percent because I think it's him versus Ben Neiman for this final spot. And I understand while Ben Neiman was a had some quality tape in the preseason later in the games as a actual linebacker, the position is gonna be for special teams. These guys are competing as special team reps, and Ben Neiman was a very good special teams player last year. But Gary Johnson's athleticism and being a quality special teams player in college himself, like I think that's the competition is that special teams linebacker. And I'm going to say 50% just because that speed, you can't coach that speed. And if you get him to work on special teams, that makes a huge difference.
1: And I'm just going to add just kind of generally about the lottery tickets guys. We, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's writing all about a lot of these guys right now. Um, Just because we're profiling them and we think they have potential, their, their path to making this roster still starts on special teams. And then maybe towards the end of the season, weeks 12, weeks 13, they start picking some things up and they're interested and in the, the staff is interested in what they can bring to the table defensively. That's really the path to success for most of these kind of guys on both sides of the ball, really. You've got to start with special teams. And then once that happens, then maybe towards the end of the season, like Charvarius Ward did, you earn your opportunities.
2: So you're not guaranteeing Jamal Custis makes this team based on the latest lottery ticket.
1: Correct. And you shouldn't be basing any of these lottery tickets based on just what they're doing on on the offensive, defensive side of the football. Special teams is their path to success early, hoping to get on the field later. Unless you're Cody Thompson. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Unless you're Cody Thompson. But I mean, like, we haven't written about Cody Thompson yet because he's not a lottery ticket. He's a lock. (laughs) So, I mean. Oh, cool. I can take that off my docket? Yeah. No, it's you're good, homie. Oh,
2: cool. You're good. Can, I about, can I write about Byron Pringle instead?
1: <laughs> As S.S. Stebbins asks Are the Raiders going to be a bigger threat this year? Basically, a whole new team over the offseason. They're going to be a bigger threat than they were last year. Does that mean that they're going to be a big threat? No. But they will probably present a little bit more of a challenge. I still think that thing is very volatile and still has plenty of potential for a dumpster fire. But my guess is they are a little bit more competitive this year, but that's not saying much because they're still the Raiders.
2: Let me ask you guys some questions to answer this question. Hey, Craig, who's the starting quarterback for the Oakland Raiders? Uh, Derek Carr. Hey, Kent, is Derek Carr a good quarterback? <laughs> He's Cheeks. Okay, then. There's our answer. The Raiders are Cheeks.
3: I, You know what? <laughs> I appreciate what the Raiders have done. From a roster construction standpoint, I think that John Gruden has done a really excellent job of building me the perfect hard knocks team for this (laughs) offseason and literally nothing else.
1: Zach Nizilek, I like this one. If he were still with the team, how would Marcus Peters fit into the Steve Spagnuolo defense?
2: All right, I think this is kind of like a two-part question here. You got on the field, like actively between the sidelines, on the field. Marcus Peters is probably about as perfect of a fit as you can make up for a cornerback. He's can play up in a wide receiver's face, but he's not actually the best press corner. He's good at bailing off. He's good at reading the receiver, the quarterback together. Pretty much he's playing match zone. He's keeping his eyes on multiple things, reading routes. This is what Marcus Peters did unbelievably well with the Chiefs and with the the Rams last year when he got going. The issue is, I wonder how it would work with Marcus Peters having a hard-nosed coach right after him. Steve Spagnola, Dave Merritt, I don't know if they're going to put up with some maybe questionable off-field stuff as much as even Bob Sutton did. Wade Phillips is a fantastic defensive coordinator, but he's very laid back. He's a guy that kind of lets the players take control. He has a ton of respect, but he doesn't coach by yelling. Getting you know, he's not very fiery most of the time anymore as a defensive coordinator. So Marcus Peters fits in great there. And then finally, third part coming out of the blue: Does Marcus Peters want to be in Kansas City at all? That's the real question. Yeah, Mark,
3: I don't think Marcus wants to be in Kansas City anymore. But that's exactly right. Perfect scheme fit. But I'm I'm going to counter that second point. I think that Marcus Peters respects people that uh, hold accountability and you know have everybody together trying to play in the same scheme I think that he'd actually get along with Spagnolo with Dave Merritt with those guys I think that that he would have some outbursts for sure because Marcus is that type of player and part of the reason why I like him but he I, I do think that part of what we saw, as far as outbursts and things like that is because he cared and because he wanted that defense to be better than it was i personally think that he would get along well with spags but that that's just me counter
1: counter counter counterpoint he might have retired last year because of the defensive situation last year (laughs) Oh man! so we may not have even be able to find out he might he might have just he might have just retired or like You know, taking his socks and shoes off and walked off the field permanently in, like, I don't know, week 11? I mean,
3: that's what I wanted to do in week 11. That's what I I did do in
2: week 11, defensively. (laughs) Now, my one counter-counter to the uh, hard-nosed coaching, (laughs) he was with Chris Peterson at Washington, and that did not end well. Chris Peterson's a pretty hard-nosed, fiery coach himself. They butted heads a lot. But you don't know I don't know enough about the dynamic between them. Marcus Peters was obviously recruited by the coach before Chris Peterson. so you don't know how that whole thing shook down and just that's kind of what I'm thinking of if they don't get along and then they start butting heads, I mean it gets it could get pretty bad. Now maybe he would respect the Sam Madisons, the Dave Merritts, and it would be A okay and he would take their coaching because if he did, he's gonna be back in conversation for the best cornerback in the league in this system. No doubt in my I mind. did.
1: I do remember, I believe someone said, (coughs) excuse me, that they tried to make an example of Marcus Peters, Chris Peterson Mm -hmm. did. So, I mean, that could have been part of it too. We're going to take a break, and we will be back with more questions after that.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: Sports Talk Evan asks, and I think this is a very interesting question. Describe the dark, dark, sad scenario where John Dorsey doesn't get a deal to trade up for Patrick Mahomes. So, well... Actually, now that I think about it, 2018 might have looked like what Cam Jordan envisioned. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, it would have been a dumpster fire. The Chiefs would have picked in the top ten this year. They would have they would have had a miserable butt cheeks defense, mm-hmm. and actually, the defense would have been worse because Alex Smith would have been under contract, taking up 19 million dollars. So it's this defense without Anthony Hitchens. Okay, maybe. Okay, maybe not. Um, but it, it's 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 a terrible football team, and I don't know how much Trey Davius White is helping.
3: I yeah, that's that that's a bad move. That's a really bad move, especially since the Saints were reportedly going to pick him right after the Chiefs did. I wonder. How the Saints would have looked? Would they have been a playoff team? I don't know. Maybe we should get Cam Jordan on to ask about. Just as it just would have been a system quarterback.
1: They, they wouldn't have known. Oh, they wouldn't okay. noticed anything different. Okay, you're right. So you're right. Patrick Mahomes would have thrown the ball into the flats to Drew or Drew, like Drew Brees did the same exact way that Drew Brees did. So you're, like you know just these little dump passes, you know like negative one air yards all game. To close the season out. That's how it would have ended. You're right. You're right.
3: You know, a top three quarterback season of all time. System quarterback. That's right.
1: Yeah.
2: The time has come for me (laughs) to stand on the hill and defend Alex Smith-led Kansas City Chiefs as they rolled into the playoffs, even without Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback last year. Listen. Listen. You guys can't slander Tredavious White and act like he's not a very, very, very good cornerback. He's good. And he does not make the secondary instantly much better I'd than it was him with Stephen Nelson right playing the second cornerback There's no
1: Kendall position. Fuller, though.
2: And there's no Anthony Hitchens. That's fine. Tredavious White is better, and I'm not so sure they would have lost a lot without Anthony Hitchens. But back to the point. There's also no the Speaks because
1: they can't trade up mm-hmm. for him. Well, that's a win. Things are getting so, interesting. when is the
2: last time that Alex Smith miss the playoffs when he played the whole year
1: uh 2011
2: okay why all of a sudden with essentially the same team is that gonna fall apart the defense didn't just magically turn to complete crap the defense no okay no i back. they did turn to complete crap but alex smith's not missing the playoffs i'm not a big alex smith fan but he wins games and qb wins is the weirdest goofiest stat on the entire planet the guy wins he's gonna do enough i mean who are we gonna not make the playoffs over the houston texans with their patchwork offensive line indianapolis colts i mean the chiefs were making the playoffs with alex smith and the team last year no matter what they have no chance to win the super bowl but they're making the playoffs like they did every other year he's making. i have a counterpoint
1: to this oh go and it's go. and
3: it's two words one name ron parker uh ron parker's still Ugh. on this team <laughs>
2: he made the playoffs with Ron Parker multiple times. They yeah. Ron Parker. Yeah,
1: when Ron Parker I'm, was better. Are we sure? Are yes. we sure a Kendall yes. Fuller list? Because guess what? Eric Berry's getting paid a lot of money to not play that year he, uh-huh. as well. I, mm, things are, uh, this, we'd be really, this, I don't know if we'd have a podcast.
2: Look, we am not so wild miserable. about Alex Smith. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and defend Alex Smith much more than this. This isn't even but an Alex, Alex Smith throwing to Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins with the combination of Kareem Hunt, Damian Williams, and that offensive line is making the playoffs from the AFC West last year.
1: Guys, you know what the truth is? They probably draft Nathan Peterman in the third.
2: You're probably they're not making the playoffs with Nathan Peterman.
1: <laughs> no, they're not. They might. They probably are drafting Nathan Peterman in the third. That's what happens. That is what happens. That's the bad karma. Okay, we probably is, need to keep this going. This is the
3: bad place. We need to get out of here. Yeah, this, we went somewhere weird. Real I don't bad. I like it. Nate I don't C. Like it.
1: Nate Ch four seventy nine asks, "What are the differences in how Steve Spagnolo does cover three match compared to Bob Sutton?"
2: All right, so Steve Spagnuolo definitely runs some match cover three. It's in his repertoire, but it's not. I don't think it's very close to his highest run coverage. From what I've seen, he still prefers much more quarters-based coverages, especially when he's matching in zone. There is going to be some match cover three stuff. It's going to be very similar to Nick Saban's, just like Bob Sutton's was very similar to Nick Saban's because that's kind of the godfather of the cover three match thing going on in the NFL right now. You're getting a safety that's spinning down towards the line of scrimmage to play in the robber role. You've got two guys on the outside that are playing with specific leverage, depending on the alignment, the splits of the wide receivers, so on and so forth, Then you have your deep safety. A lot of the rules are going to be very similar. I will say that I don't think Steve Spagnola's repertoire in terms of the types of alerts that he has in his cover three or as deep as somebody like Nick Saban's. But it's definitely deeper than what you're going to see from Bob Sutton, who ran the most vanilla cover three match you can come up with. It was the same thing over and over again. And every single time, Steven Nelson was still lost on an island.
3: Yeah, if you want to see what Bob's cover three match looks like, I wrote an article. That's it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's it. We didn't see variants of it. That was it. So, uh, yeah, Spagnolo has a lot more little intricacies, tweaks, things like that. So uh, uh, Matt's exactly right. They all still stem from Saban. All of that still stems from his time in Cleveland with Belichick and developing that defense or that coverage scheme and everything like that. So that's where that all comes from. Everything just propagates out from that. So it, it's still the same tree, just a slightly different branch.
1: I got like nothing major to add. I will just add this note. If you're a little bit interested in a very, very, very basic conversation about cop coverages led by Steve Spagnolo, go to NFL Game Pass. There's a twenty five minute conversation with him and Ron Jaworski. It is if you have studied coverages at all, you might get a little bored. However, <laughs> it's a very, very uh, basal introduction to zone coverage. So yeah. you might want to, and, and hearing Spagnolo talk about it and how he's, it might be worth your time if you're, if you're really wanting to learn about coverages and, and start kind of somewhere. It's a good jumping off point. If Plus, you, will. you
3: get uh, Spagnolo's best quote in there, which is if you're static, you're dead which makes me excited.
1: so yes yes there's like a couple like there's a couple comments he makes like maybe not necessarily about too deep coverage Mm -hmm. but just in general that are very fascinating and you will get some things will get you excited but yeah it's very broad but it's it's still interesting k gumminger asks what are you looking forward to during off time between otas and training camp and how do you right, guys Craig, plan, we plan have to spend time?
2: Fifteen minutes. <laughs> you can't spend fifteen minutes telling us your entire laundry list of things that you are capable of doing.
3: Okay, starting at three o'clock on Saturday, I'm going through. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> Where well, uh, my wife and I are going up to Minnesota visit some family. I'm going to drink some Surly Brewing Company up there. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be great. Probably get some of the, some spotted cow, maybe bring some back to Kent. He, I know he just, got, he just got really excited about that.
2: Don't all cows have spots? Okay, not all. <laughs> most. Yeah. Most. It, it, it's most. a beer.
3: And then a little bit later, uh, actually right after training camp starts, uh, going out camping in Colorado and putting my phone somewhere where nobody can talk to me and I'm just going to go missus. enjoy the mountains.
1: You'll miss time. us.
2: <laughs> with a little bit less football to watch, I will hopefully get to spend even more time in the gym. I'm a boring person. <laughs> I got to spend time in the gym. We got to take care of two kids. Got lots of kids activities coming up this summer. Uh, maybe I'll dust off my Xbox and turn on like a like a Fortnite or something for a little while. Maybe I'll try to play a game with Pat. But that's about all I got, guys. I, I have a boring life. I'm not cool like Craig. I don't get to go camping. I don't get to hang out with spotted cows or unspotted cows. I'm just staying at home, doing the family thing, trying to trying to make use of my shaker cup so my kid doesn't use it, use it more than I do going forward.
1: <laughs> guys, I'm going to sunny Orlando here in a couple of weeks uh, <laughs> for a big fam- family trip. Um, and then honestly, I'm kind of like Maddie. I'm pretty lame. I've been watching I've been I, I think I'm in this mode where like I just have to be doing something football related at night. So like I've been watching anything and everything on YouTube. And like this is a good time to learn. Like I was watching a, a guy some teach tapes on receivers a couple nights ago. Maddie put us onto those. Very handsome uh man, Maddie Lane, really, really oh sharing the, <laughs> sharing the wealth the light um, podcast
2: handsome shout out.
1: Yeah. No, I, I got to compliment you every now and then. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's just, it's it's good downtime to refresh. Think about what we've done the last year and then try to come like, I'm kind of starting to churn and burn on like what I want to do for, for the regular season too. Like, I don't know if I can shut it off completely. It's, it's not healthy. I don't know if it's completely healthy, but I don't know. Simu7 asks, how do you guys keep sane in this crazy Twitter environment? Asking for a friend it's been rough this last couple weeks guys um, Chiefs Twitter has not slept there's a lot going on here and it's extremely nuanced and 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 difficult to sort through mostly I've been trying to stay away um, I know I know a lot of you guys are are in there and there's just a lot going on I understand why you would be asking this question it is a it is a bizarre environment to be in i can't wait for news these next three days are going to be helpful with all the press conferences and stuff for sure much needed
3: yeah um you just ignore it uh, honestly I, it, there's a lot of negativity out there i subscribe to the theory don't be a dick and <laughs> i when i see it i just move on mute and move on there's there's just no time for that so i i try and keep my timeline as clean as possible and try and not have serious negativity all over it
2: man i feel personally attacked my podcast cohorts here i feel like (laughs) they are talking directly to me now yeah yeah,
3: don't be a dick this
2: is this is my strategy for winning at twitter don't ever go to your timeline, just pop in, tweet off your own stuff, immediately mute the thread. As soon as you send it out, just mute it. Fire off a hot take, mute it, never come back. Done. You win. <laughs> we all know that's not the case. We got people
3: that that joined the live chat that are complaining about you blowing up their Twitter account with an argument, argument, discussion. I...
2: I have no qualms with Twitter at the current state. I try to avoid NBA Twitter because that is a crazy place. And outside of NBA Twitter, you're fine. There's some there's some weird Twitter worlds out there. They're a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. have no qualms with Twitter currently. Except for the Tyreek Hill stuff. I'm very close to muting the words Tyreek Hill on Twitter, I'm not gonna lie. Very
1: I think close. that's probably the majority of the crazy environments. I think that's probably what he's alluding to because that has been I Mute think that's it. been a big driving force by
2: Tyreek Hill until something real happens.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, are the Browns... Uh, this is Jesse Berkey asks, are the Browns legit threat to KC or are they way overhyped, Matthew?
2: I think the Browns have the ability to be a real contender for the Chiefs. The issue is you got to see it all come together. I think Odell Beckham is an absolute star. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Add to that the combination of Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt later in the year. And I do think Baker Mayfield is a very quality, high-quality quarterback. I think they are a team set up well for the long run. The problem is with John Dorsey. You have like a 3-year window <laughs> before he puts you into a cap tornado. Are they going to be able to capitalize that quickly? There's a lot of pieces that got to come together with a very new head coach that I know had some success last year, but some of the stuff he did seems like it's going to need major adaptations to be successful in the long run. So we'll see where they go from
3: here. Yeah, I, I, talent-wise they're definitely a legit threat. Like I like a lot of the what the Browns did, but yeah, that's a lot of egos in a room with a young head coach that uh, is going to have to do something different than he did last year. I, I don't know. We'll see if Baker Mayfield can lead that group. Which, I mean, again, I I think he can. He he's one of the few guys that I think could have gone into Cleveland and and reined that in a little bit. So I, I think he can if he can keep his you know everybody's heads on straight there in that locker room. they they're a threat.
1: This is this is John Dorsey special. They always have the talent. Mm-hmm. They always have the talent, but then they also have to release their starting left tackle for being a terrible, unreliable teammate. It's already starting. They're already taking their swinging swings and misses. John Dorsey's writing blank checks. It's it's Andy Reid could control the chaos to an extent and then things started falling apart at the end. Because they kept taking swings, and some of the swings hit and were very good for a season, and some of them weren't. If Freddie Kitchens, a rookie head coach, can go and do and manage a very wildly talented team that has some major characters and some big personalities, if they can piece it all together, more power to them, but this is John Dorsey to a T. Let's see how the experiment works again uh anyways (laughs) moving on uh what's the longest uh brandon 422 the longest contract you think the chiefs and mahomes would sign next year is 10 years unheard of yes 10 years is unheard of partially because of the collective bargaining agreement that's got to play into the situation with their contract negotiations i'm sure Mahomes doesn't want to sign for 10 years. I'm sure he wants to sign for 4 or 5 years and then come back around in a new environment where the contracts have only gone up and 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 benefit from that again. It you know, Mahomes will sign the biggest quarterback deal in the history of the National Football League and then, you know, <laughs> a year later it might not be. It might look like an okay deal. That's just how this works. Um, it, he's not going to sign for 10 years. It'll probably be four or five years.
2: I signed him to a career-long contract at a set percentage of the cap that would make him the highest paid right now that would cont- obviously increase as the cap increased. I mean, realistically, he's not going to sign even a career-long contract then. But you, I think you could get a longer deal contract if you were willing to go with a percentage of the cap. Eventually a team's gonna overbid that and he might want to make more than that at some point in time, but that way his contract, his money he's making still rises every year as the cap does.
1: But but Maddie, don't you think that the the contract percentage will only rise too? Like I think it's the same principles, even if you're doing a percentage, I think he gets nineteen percent. The next year someone's gonna offer or someone's gonna get nineteen two or nineteen five. But the Cowboys like, aren't
2: gonna pay Dak Prescott a percentage of the cap because he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you're going to have to come to a quarterback that is not only young enough to get a long-term percentage of the cap contract, you have to have one that has the same kind of superstar outlook that Patrick Mahomes. Like, I think if you go percentage of the cap, that sets such a standard of a contract, it's going to be hard for enough people to hit that mark. Kind of like with what Kirk Cousins just did. The Vikings thought he was worth all this guaranteed money. Not every single quarterback is going to get full guaranteed money going forward just because they're coming on later than him. You have to have a team that's going to believe in the player enough to give them that contract.
3: Well, with all this joking around, I'm going to bomb in here and say 15 years, $44 million a year. Let's go right now.
1: Oh, Low ball. <laughs> that's a deal. That's a steal of a deal. If you ask me, honestly, Um, let's see here. Steve gray, jr. Why is the Andy Reed offense so hard for receivers to pick up? Well, Um, First off, one of the things Andy Reid always does is he mandates that his receivers know more than one spot. So they are lining up all over the field. He mandates that they line up more than just knowing the X position or the Z position. He wants them to move around and understand every single role. There is a lot of verbiage. It's a very verbiage-heavy offense. There are a lot of route adjustments that they're making. Um, and they, and I mean, they're, they're running a, a a pretty open book too, with a variety of routes too. Like he just puts a lot of pressure, not just on the receivers, but on the offense as a whole, it manifests itself a lot with the receivers and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot there that they have to, a lot of gigabytes they have to have.
2: Yes. Simply put. Yes. That is exactly why it's a very thick playbook. And then Andy Reid does ask wide receivers to know multiple, not every position, which is kind of weird because he's starting to trend a little bit more towards having receivers play a primary position. They have the ability to move around. But for the most part, you know where the Chiefs wide receivers are going to line up on most plays, where they're going to play. And when they are in different positions, you have a certain select few routes you think that they're most likely to run so he's getting not more predictable but he's just putting guys in better situations to align with what they do well but he still asks receivers to know everything and again it's an andy Reid playbook the thing is thick
3: yeah two c's yeah that uh, they covered it pretty much covered it all um do we want to take a couple from the chat before we get out of here guys we sure, got, a, yeah, we got a really good one in here from uh, Chris Albright. If you could be a fly on the wall with the ability not to be swatted, what personnel room would you like to be spying on? And also you can't speak about what you hear afterwards. This is for your own personal knowledge. Any personnel room and which one? So like position? Yeah, or I, I assume so, yes. Or I mean, like Beaches. I'm, I'm
2: going Brett Veach because and the scouts because I just want to know who they're looking at heavily or just the, what they're looking for <laughs> in terms of the draft. I don't have to share it with you guys. I can just start telling you the kind of players that fit what I heard.
1: <laughs> hmm. I think I just want to listen to because Andy Reid spends a lot of time with you know Kafka and and Pat Mahomes. I would just love. To listen to that and you're gonna get pick up a lot of different other stuff from just listening to that room specifically. So like, yeah, there's no doubt. I wonder what Craig's gonna pick.
3: Uh, He's gonna pick a good let's one. Let's see. Uh quarterback room. I just want to hear Patrick Mahomes talk all the time.
2: Well, uh <laughs> I thought you were gonna go with the fullback
3: room. Fullback room. That's a better one. Is it just Anthony Sherman sitting in a room by himself in the dark? Without
1: any coaches? I, no, no coaches, coaches. That's Just in the I dark. Tell us what the running.
3: Don't no film on anything like that. It's just him I, solo in the dark,
2: quiet. Love it might wander to that room accidentally, and that could be weird.
1: Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Wait, wouldn't Anthony Sherman just be in the tight ends room? He is tight end oh. too. He is. Maybe he's got one foot in each. <laughs>
2: uh,
3: We've got Mark Hartley. Do you think Andy Reid will try and tame down Mahomes with play calling for game management for the defense to rest? Or do you think he's going to keep the throttle down? I think it's throttle down the entire time. Andy Reid needs to keep the throttle down. Uh, I mean, he may go a little conservative towards the end of the games if they're up, like it naturally happens. But yeah, no, they're going to try and put as many points on the board as possible.
2: I wish Andy Reid had that mentality. I just have never seen it from him. He always dials it, but now I don't think from the beginning of the game he's not yeah going when he to goes up like three scores, yeah, yeah. But as soon as he gets, and it doesn't even have to be a great lead, as soon as he thinks the game's in the bag, Andy Reid pulls that ripcord so fast, and it, it it drives me crazy as a fan to see a team climb back in, and you kind of lose this just complete and utter domination of a football team. I know momentum doesn't really exist according to some football players. It's just all about confidence, and it definitely doesn't carry from week to week according to them, but there's just something about the way a team sounds or looks when they dominate a team rather than let a team crawl back into the game late in the fourth quarter.
1: I will also say, like, I think Pat a little bit organically will still make plays even when Andy's sitting on the football. So, Um, like, I think he kind of pulls a little bit more productivity out of, you know, those halves where he's not trying to show too much more. Um, he's still, you know, just because Pat's so good that that, that's kind of one of the things like, you know, he'll, he'll still make some plays, even if it's kind of, you know, sitting on the football a little bit. What are you
2: talking about? Cam Jordan said he's a system quarterback. He definitely isn't making something happen when Andy Reid's not systeming him.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I forgot. And you know what? Credit credit to Andy Reid for coming up with plays where Patrick Mahomes doesn't look at his receivers. I mean, that's a brilliant design. Andy through 50 injury. touchdowns,
2: clearly. Mentally. I mean, Mentally through 50.
1: Yeah. You know, I, how about that play where Andy Reid told Demarcus Robinson to run the wrong route <laughs> and just and go vertical? And then Patrick Mahomes made a throw on the run, fifty yards in the air for an eighty-nine yard touchdown. Brilliant design, brilliant. just brilliant. brilliant. Okay, we got mm-hmm. a we got
3: a good one to go out on here. Uh, Red Georges, which is higher, the twenty nineteen Royals win total? They are currently as oh, of this recording. Whatever the other answer is,
2: whatever the other answer is higher. They
3: are twenty and forty five, or Mahomes twenty nineteen touchdown total.
1: Oh my God! This answer, or this question's amazing.
2: Mahomes God, this is
1: such a good question.
2: Wow, Kent is really hyped right now. I'm gonna go Mahomes touchdown to give him the floor.
1: It's Royals wins, but it's close, and the fact that it's close is amazing. The Royals are gonna win 56 games because in September, when all the other teams are, you know, given up on life, the Royals are gonna come in like they did last September Why they given and just up? <laughs> they, they, they have grit. <laughs> We don't, we don't, the Royals, they scout on gut. I forgot about that, my bad. And grit. Wow. Chris Getz is in the organization. You guys don't even know who Chris Getz is. He was a
2: but very poor is, baseball player, them.
1: They just, they play hard through the, through the whistle in September. And then they win 20 games. Wait, and we get excited. Wait, wait, wait. The There's a whistle? Oh, since no, it's, baseball it's just a phrase. Whizz- oh, it's just a phrase. Shut up. <laughs> it's Pat. God. Pat's going to throw 60. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got me started on the Royals. That's not fair. That's gonna do it for this week's episode. We will catch you later in the week. Actually, uh, later. Uh, I think we'll be on on Friday. So we will. Uh, we'll talk to you then.
2: Make sure you guys keep hitting Kent up for more Royals versus Chiefs players predictions because this was fun.